You're listening to The Age of Agility, a quick-based podcast. This is the show for people facing unique challenges with an agility mindset. You're about to hear an interview with the leaders improving processes and using flexible technology to reshape our world for the better. Let's dive in. You're listening to The Age of Agility podcast produced by QuickBase. Today, we're speaking with Marco Piccio, an operational excellence leader with experience in manufacturing and service industries. He's currently the Global Transformation Officer at Seidel, a leading provider of equipment and service solutions for packaging beverage, food, home, and personal care products. Marco is passionate about the practice of continuous improvement in large organizations, and he teaches us a bit about how to balance that need for speed and agility with a longer-term vision to build a culture of change. Take a listen and enjoy our conversation with Marco Piccio. Hello, Marco. How are you today? Hello. Hello, Nick. I'm, I'm great. Thanks. And you? It's, uh, it's morning over here, so just kind of getting started for the end of the week. So, you know, you've been in this space for a while and you're passionate about it. What have you noticed change over the years? Like, where was the focus? Where is it now? Well, I can talk about my, my experience, how I perceived the continuous improvement transformation in the beginning and uh, how things have changed and how I perceive it now. I'm an engineer, you know, so I kind of like uh, technical things uh, up to a certain point. And uh, even uh, continuous improvement methodologies and, uh, and transformation topics, I was looking at them under the technical point of view. So how those methodologies work, I was mainly focused on those aspects at the beginning. But very soon I noticed that the real fuel of transformation, the real power is within people. So going on through through the years, I, I discovered that I had to focus a bit less on the methodology, meaning that it's not very important for me to do things like exactly like they're written in the books. So not just following the Bible, but putting more focus on, on people. And I'm kind of an empathic person, so it, um, it's very easy for me to, to relate to people. And this helped me a lot. And involving people and empower people uh, is the main learning to put people at the center. It's my main learning that I, I take away from, uh, from my career. That's such a nice point to make. I, I feel like when we talk about you know, continuous improvement and all these business strategies to do things better or faster, the part that kind of gets forgotten about is this human element. And it's, it's so core, especially when, you know, you're trying to change an organization, you got to get the people on board. So acknowledging that, like people, people tend to not <laughs> like change. How do you manage th- this sort of process and, and get people on board? Well, also based on my experience, the people tend to resist the changes they're not involved in. So what I learned is that you have to involve people. Not You don't have to be scared involving people and even involving people early in the change. And this has mainly two main benefits. One is that you have people, having people on board since the beginning, you have the you know, expertise, you have feedback, if you actively listen to them, they can provide you important information, important uh, key elements for your project. And the other element is that if you involve people early, and to do that, uh, for example, you, I found very useful to explain the change, the case for change, why we are changing, communicate clearly about that. If you get to, to involve people in this way and have people on board, they also become 
transformation agents themselves. So they boost the effectiveness of your of your transformation. And this is something that is uh, is really tangible and uh, it's a sort of compound effect you can leverage on. Just to summarize what you said there, you know, you're saying like once you get people involved kind of at the right time or early in the process, the buy-in is so much greater. Exactly. Um, you, invite, you involve them early. You are transparent in communicating, in communicating things to them. You listen to them. You actively listen to them because getting feedback, uh, many people are scared about feedback you know, because it can be, let's say, negative or some other people like to say constructive, but they really help uh, improving or resetting, for example, your idea of a project or uh, a system you would like to implement. Uh, in the end, people are the ones that are daily, <laughs> on a daily basis, hands on in in the project in, in a, sorry in in a process in a, uh, using a certain system so there's no one else better than the people working on something to provide you direct and genuine feedback uh, about uh, what you are willing to do and if you do that early you avoid probably having troubles during the later stages of your of your project that's uh, not a secret but it's something that people tend not to do because it's easy to sit down in a room uh, in a restricted number of, of people and decide for uh, all the rest. But uh, this is uh, often not working because then uh, you might come to a beautiful system or beautiful uh, process that you redesign and then nobody's using because it's uh, designed uh, on paper and not tested on reality. Yeah, so there has got to be a, a kind of a big testing user acceptance aspect of that. Is that part of kind of your responsibilities when implementing these changes? Yeah, I've also contributed in, uh, you know, supporting this kind of, of change and, uh, let's say, helping uh, project managers and business leaders to set up this kind of, um, of approach. But I have to say, even earlier, when you start a project, uh, what I found very useful, and this could be also a great, uh, you know, example, a practical example also for our listeners is to think of the case for change in a structured way. You can use a very simple template. Why you have to change? Why this change? Why this transformation? The urgency of this change. Why now? And the main stakeholders that are involved in the change. So who are the people that are touched by your uh, project or, uh, about process improvement or system implementation, whatever? And I can ensure you that uh, when you have people, business leaders or project manager sitting down in front of that template and they have to think about why, why we need this change, it's not always easy. And if you cannot get to, let's say, two, three bullet points that clearly state why you want to change, you start questioning, do we need this, uh, this system or this implementation? And this is extremely useful, not only for leaders to clarify their mind, their ideas, to have, to have them clear about uh, why they want to change. And this can be useful, for example, when you have to get sponsorship for your project. So if you clearly state uh, why you want to do that instead of jumping on what you want to do, it really enables and facilitates the conversation. But also, on the other hand, when you have to explain to people and you have to involve people in the change, or when you have to communicate about change, if you start from the why, it's always easier. And it really helps in, in involving them, in engaging them. And the 
enables it enables also transparency in the end. So coming to your to your question, also having a quite high of high level of stakeholder mapping, it helps also identify who could be the potential users or testers that uh, I need to involve. And sitting down, clarifying these things is might be obvious, but when you think carefully about that. It might be not so obvious, so you might find out that someone else needs to be involved. Maybe not such a deep level, but they have to be involved at some stage. And the more the more you you go in these into these analysis, uh, the, the more you you clarify these things, uh, the easier is uh, the easier implementation is. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, I think often you hear about big projects or or you know that don't work out, and it's because of that key point you just mentioned like that you have to explain the why i've seen that i'm <laughs> sure yeah i've seen that Can you tell us about that another another pitfall is when you have for example a big project fully implemented by customer uh, sorry by a supplier so your provider is implementing the you know a new system for example even a big one eh? you spend uh, hundred thousand of, of euros and, or dollars and it's a big project for the company and you get the state of the art but then you have not involved uh, or you involved too late the testers, the key users. Then, okay, you have spent the money, you implemented the system, the supplier is gone because uh, then uh, the system is delivered. They give you like a training package, which is like the size of a dictionary <laughs> and, and that's it. And then it's, it's your problem to get people using that system. Very often it doesn't work. I've seen that. <laughs> I can imagine. It's, it's, a huge, it's a huge waste. It's a huge waste in the end. And it could have been easily solved because it's not a technological issue. People think that, okay, I'm not using the best in class technology. No, it's really about involving people. It's uh, In the end, it's, it's so easy. It gets a bit more of, a, of an effort, especially for technical people. But you get so many advantages in the end. It's really worth spending uh, some time in the beginning, early in the project, uh, in, in thinking about those things. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, essentially, in a way, like these people who are using the processes or the new systems, they're sort of your customers. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, you know, when you deliver a project or a new process, uh, a new designed uh, system, what I get really excited about uh, is uh, when I get a positive feedback from my customers. And that is especially true when we are talking about external customers, not the, why, the, the ones that are uh, letting us do in the business. But also when you talk about internal customers, very often I deal with the transversal projects. So my stakeholders, my, my customer are really across the organization. When you have people that are coming to you and say, hey, this, uh, this new process is really helping me, uh, helping me a lot is helping me in my day-by-day job. I cut, I cut uh, that, uh, the, the lead time of that process that I was, uh, I was doing from uh, three days to a to couple of hours. It's, uh, it's fantastic. And that's the, what really gets me happy uh, about my job. And I can also provide a, a practical uh, a tip about that. We mentioned before feedback, no? And uh, I also strongly believe in informal feedback. So you don't really need to have something structured. You really can listen to people. My, you know, I'm always available. If I'm not available because I cannot enter a call or uh, or, or a meeting, I, I call back. But uh, there is also, and this is, this is about active listening, you know, but there is also a structured way to collect feedback. And especially when we have a large population that... Uh, 
needs to, uh, let's say, use your system or you have a large population that uh, are the, the, the internal customers in the end, uh, you might want to send out a survey. I found it really interesting because if you have to collect a huge number of responses, you can easily collect together and structure data through to a survey. And there are really useful and simple tools, tools like uh, Google Forms or Microsoft Forms that are very easy to use and very fast. And you can also send them out anonymously, so people don't have to be feel embarrassed to, to answer to you if they have to deliver a non-positive feedback, let's say. And I found it very useful, especially when uh, not only when I have to implement uh, a, new, a new system or a new project, but also when I deliver a training or when I'm applying a, a new methodology and I want to improve because the, the feedback that people can, can give you probably can you open a, a new new perspective that you did not think about. And it, it, it happened to me that I was delivering training about process design and design methodology and also running several workshops as a facilitator. And then sending out the surveys, I, I got very useful, useful feedback that made me improve my methodology, the way I was delivering training and the, the, the way I was facilitating those, uh, those workshops. So it's extremely valuable to, to collect feedback and it can be, can be done in such an easy way uh, with, with uh, those simple tools that uh, it's a pity not to do that. Yeah, I agree. You know, I work kind of more in the creative space in business, but like even there, it's like you can't do better. You can't do something more exciting or, or more thoughtful or more creative or more efficient without hearing all of the feedback, right? The good and the bad. If everything's, oh, yeah, great job, like it's not, you, you can't improve from there, right? But you really want to hear from uh, constructive feedback. I mean, when you overcome the feeling of being uh, attacked, which is not the case, it's not a personal, something personal, you know, is about... Uh, Probably you're, you're doing already good things. It's, it's about improving or you want to do better. I, I said in the beginning, I always look for the better. For I'm, I'm looking for excellence. So I want to hear how I can improve. And if I think I'm already doing, doing uh, it uh, in, in, in the best possible way, probably it's not true. And, uh, and people can, can tell you. And you don't have to be scared about that if you think about improving. I know it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we're talking about really technical processes and systems. But really at the root of it all is this, this is big human and cultural element. And getting that to change in a large organization has got to be challenging. So this is really fascinating stuff. There's a lot of psychology involved that I don't think people typically imagine there would be. <laughs> Especially in technical environment, you know, you think of... Uh problem, solution, implementation, very straightforward, but there is people in between and companies are made of people. So if people are not involved, especially in today, the, the, the environment we are living on is, is so much faster than, than in the past that uh, if you don't take care of how people are receiving these uh, transformation uh, initiatives, these changes, uh, you can easily get in trouble because you have fantastic... Uh, I'm always talking about digitalization because it's a big trend we have today. You have beautiful systems that are poorly used, uh, so you don't get the, the maximum performance out of them simply because uh, people are not at the same pace as your uh, technology <laughs> transformation pace. Yeah, people you know? don't change as quickly as you can reprogram something. <laughs> yeah, and that's why cultural and mindset changes take time. You have to. That's another reason why you have to start early. Because it takes time. 
And it's such a balance, too, because Agile and all of these different methods for continuous improvement, they're all very focused on, you know, doing things quickly. So it almost feels like there's this tension there. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And um, talking about one big trend, which is uh, agility today, one big trend that uh, almost every stakeholder wants to wants to have. If you tell me the one trend that everyone wants to have, I want to do things in an agile way. And this is the first, uh, let's say, this, the first difficulty sometimes, because I've seen a lot of companies that want to do agile, but being agile is a kind of a different thing. When I firstly started my agile journey, my personal, uh, professional agile journey almost one year ago, I was asked to set up a non-IT, uh, in, in, in a non-IT program, several business uh, streams in an agile way. And the challenge was even harder because that was my first experience with agile. So I received a sort of training on the job about that. And then I started uh, putting my hands on that. And in parallel, I was also um, certifying as an Agile Scrum Master. So I achieved my certification at the beginning of, of this year. But uh, I have to say that I learned a lot uh, putting my hands on, on Agile. And I could um, experience what we were, we were talking about one minute ago, that uh, being agile is something different. And I could experience the, the value of uh, really being agile, <clears throat> which is transparency, teamwork, the fact that you have a, an increased collaboration of team members, uh, teamwork is uh, really boosted. You deliver quickly and fast. And uh, overall, uh, the, the whole team is uh, empowered, is, uh, is, um, uh, you know, is improving. At the same time, if you really want to scale and you want to bring Agile to the next level, I found out that you really need to work at organization level. So at a certain point, if you have people 10, 15% dedicated to Agile topics, or you have, for example, you can purchase Scrum Masters from outside. You know, it's something that it's a service you can purchase, but it doesn't work exactly the same. At least my opinion is that it doesn't work exactly the same with product owners. Product owners is something that normally doesn't exist in uh, traditional companies. And uh, it's a figure that you need to, to build uh, within your company through training, coaching, and through some experience, of course. So all those things uh, are, really, are really key and uh, they really involve how fast and how much your organization wants to go agile, wants to be agile. And it takes time. <laughs> That's all the other things I uh, <laughs> the other thing I found out. I mean, you cannot do it. Okay, we want to be agile in six months. You can do it in a disruptive way. I don't. Some companies did that. I don't believe so much in that approach, especially for a traditional company. Big bang approach can be destructive. Can be really can bring more damages than advantages. So. I really think it needs this transformation, this agile transformation of an organization needs some time. And uh, it involves uh, training, uh, for sure, getting the, the organization aligned also with the roles, uh, with, uh, with the mindset. This involves also the, the appraisal because you have to have your objectives uh, also based on uh, target linked to, to your agile, uh, agile streams. And in general, uh, you need to build the, the, the culture and the mindset. That's the most difficult thing. And that's why it's a, it's a long journey. And communication change management also play a key role here. I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, what I heard there is like, you know, 
everyone wants to be agile, but it takes sort of this direction and buy-in from the top down in order to like really implement it across an organization. Yeah, everyone everyone wants to be agile, but uh, practically, most companies uh, try to do agile, which means okay, I try a pilot or. Uh, I certify a bunch of people as Scrum Master or I purchase a Scrum Master service uh, and uh, and then I see that things are not probably going as I expected. Uh, why I'm not delivering uh, so fast or why things are not going in the right way and uh, I blame on the Scrum Master or we, we are purchased their own service or uh, whatever. I blame different people, different situations, but the reality is that uh, it takes time and it involves the entire organization. I also noticed, again, it's my personal experience and my personal opinion that other continuous improvement methodologies, you can quite successfully pilot them or can have partial implementations that more or less work and show the value. But to show the full potential of Agile, you really need to to scale and to get most of the organization uh, aligned, or at least have the, the strong input from the top management. This works also for other methodologies. I'm not saying that uh, it's totally different, but it, it's more sensitive for agile. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a longer term process, right? So like, I think what I just heard there is like some companies just try to like implement it and say, okay, we're going to do these short term actions to become agile or to try being agile. But there's not that longer term commitment that's really needed to kind of get people on board, create the change internally and not to harp on it, but continuously improve the process. Yeah, exactly. And and that's it. And you can use some uh, maybe some artifacts, some tools to facilitate your agile journey. What I found very useful is to use, for example, a very well-known artifact, which is the Kanban board. And that tool is is something that more or less everyone that works in a technical environment, engineering environment, uh, uh, know. And it's something that uh, is also facilitating then the, the, the other steps, but it's not enough. So you can implement uh, maybe more easily some uh, tools, some techniques, but then if you really want to scale, you have to implement, as you said, a long-term plan which involves the transformation of your organization if you really want to uh, to, to be agile in the end. Well, I don't want to, uh, <laughs> I feel like we've talked about kind of a lot of different stuff in here and, and some big kind of heavy business topics, but how are you? You know, what's going on in your life? you have any trips coming up? Are you uh, looking forward to anything? You touched a really cool topic for me, which is traveling. I, I really love traveling. Uh, for me, traveling is, is to experience different cultures, to really deep dive into the life of another country, another continent even. And uh, I felt quite uh, trapped in the last two years because uh, due to pandemic, uh, I really had to slow down uh, my my trip plans. And so this is something that I really would like to to restart soon uh, at the pace I was used to before the pandemic. So yeah, traveling is something I really love. <laughs> I, I tend to travel uh, even the even the weekend as soon as I have uh, some space or some time. I, uh, I I I try to to see some new place or uh, to to do some new experience. What about me? I I'm, I live in Italy, so I'm passionate about uh, good food. <laughs> 
for instance. <laughs> but uh, um, what I what uh, the pandemic helped me uh, rediscover is reading. I was not reading so much in the years before the pandemic. Then I I rediscovered this pleasure. I would say, I read almost everything: novels and. Uh, business and personal growth books. I recently read uh, uh, No Rules Rules, the Netflix and the Culture of Reinvention, which I have to say really helped me a lot in uh, uh, thinking about uh, things uh, concerning business organization from a different perspective. Maybe not always can be applied to a traditional business, but it really uh, opens your mind about transparency, transparent feedback, uh, about agility. Even so, it's really, it really, it was really interesting. Well, I am. Um, what, what else can I say? I'm Netflix addicted, so I could watch uh, TV, TV series, especially. I could watch them uh, for for hours. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a thing that I love, and uh, I watch almost everything. Uh, I fell in love with uh, Breaking Bad, especially I think it's a masterpiece. <laughs> More recently, Stranger Things, uh, also because I love, uh, I grew up with the Stephen King uh, novels, so it's kind of a jump back in the 80s. I love that. I'm from the 80s, so. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, and so, these are the things that I like. I also like uh, listening to podcasts, something that I discovered not so much. Yeah. So much time ago, I, I I have to say, five six years ago, I started listening to podcasts, especially to feel the, you know, what I I considered uh, some of uh, waste periods when you when you drive, for example, or when you commute, and now since uh, a few weeks, Age of Agility podcast. <laughs> oh well, thank you, new fan. <laughs> Absolutely. Very interesting. Very interesting. A lot of very interesting interviews. And uh, I hope I can also provide uh, valuable um, topics and valuable tips for for the listeners. I think so. I, you've definitely given me some valuable tips. So uh, hopefully, you know, some more people who are listening also can take away some stuff from this. Going forward, you know, if people want to kind of follow you and see what you're up to, what's a good place to stay in touch? For sure, my LinkedIn profile, where people can follow me and uh, also people can contact me. I would be very happy to hear about their ideas, their feedback, their point of view, or even simply exchanging uh, experiences. I'm very favorable to that. I like that. And uh, this is one of the best things about uh, LinkedIn. I, you, you hear about a lot of uh, voices, a lot of experience and uh, it's really cool. You can discover new things. So I'm really looking forward to hear what people think also about this, uh, this episode, my experience. So my LinkedIn profile, definitely. I'm also working on a personal website, which is not yet. It's a project at a very early stage. So, but LinkedIn is, is fine. All right. Well, looking forward to that website, but I could definitely say, you know, reach out to Marco on LinkedIn. He's super friendly and uh, really knowledgeable about a lot of stuff. So Thanks again for joining us today. For all of you out there, thanks for listening to us on the Age of Agility. You can find us on quickbase.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll catch you later to share more stories and advice from folks managing the complex projects changing our world. And thanks for joining us, Marco. Have a good one. You've been listening to the Age of Agility, a QuickBase podcast. Stay connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. Please give us a rating, leave a comment, and share episodes you love. Until next time.